Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Grant Cook Show. <laughs> Oops, that was the, the wrong one. Hold on, let me get the right one. You stored that one up, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Hello there, and welcome to the 24 Gauge Podcast. We are your hosts, Dave and Julia Grant. A couple of nurses who are also a couple. We are Canadian RNs with 25 years of shared acute care experience who have built professional careers and a life together. Join us each episode as we have conversations about the real, the introspective, the deep, and the dorky of living life as a nurse. And with that moment of serenity, welcome here. Welcome to the podcast. It's not Dave Grant Cooks. It's the, the 24 Gauge Podcast. podcast. <laughs> I feel like in that pre-recorded intro, you can really hear my lisp coming out. And it's like particularly Eeyore of you, the way that you say that. <laughs> a couple of nurses who are also a couple. <laughs> like it, it sounds like a depressing fact. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what mm. are we talking about today? So this will well, be first the last of all, what one are we? that we're recording for the year. Last one that we're recording for the year, which uh, what we're probably releasing this at the beginning of 2023, aren't we? Uh, yeah, actually, this will be the first one of the year that we're re releasing. And then after this, hopefully... So we so are speaking episode, to the future right now. This will be episode five. Yep. Hopefully after this, we'll have video podcasts. Uh-oh. Gonna have to get ready for that. Yeah. No. Well, actually, you have to like dress up <laughs> as opposed <laughs> to be in my PJs. <laughs> This is like pandemic I'm, parenting mode. I'm pretty sure I've worn the exact same thing for every podcast so far. Now I'll have to actually like dress. Or that could just be your your thing. You could just <laughs> wear the same thing every time and see how long it takes for people to notice. Like that sportscaster who wore the same suit all year. Really? Or like, oh, what's his face? The guy who does the Adam something or other who does the blue cardigan all the time. I don't know. Oh. He's wonderful. And now I can't remember his last name. <laughs> I'm the worst. All right. So what are we drinking here today? I am, I'm just drinking some, I'm having an Americano and I'm also choosing to hydrate because I have not drank a lot of water yet today. So I have my big pineapple cup full of water. Where's your coffee from? Our coffee maker in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I want you to say. You can say it if you want to <laughs> shamelessly plug. A I will shamelessly plug them because they're amazing. Phil and Sebastian's Coffee Roaster in Calgary, Alberta. Not sponsored, but one day maybe. But they're just really good coffee, and we really like good coffee. And we like so it I want to share. Well, yeah, that too. That is but nice. I want to share our, our coffee because we like our coffee. Yeah, we do. And it's really good. Yeah. And it. If you buy just a normal amount, it doesn't really cost that much more than going to the store and buying good coffee from the store. And it comes right to your door every time. Yeah. It's very nice. Yeah. I don't complain about that. That is for sure. So you're having an Americano. I'm kind of having a steamed version of the drink I have last week or yesterday, depending on the time frame of what's So you're moment. having an eggnog latte with a shot of Kahlua in it? Yeah. How lovely is that? It's lovely. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. Cheers. There we go. You make me reach so far. My arms are so short. <laughs> yep. So this week. This week. What, were we, what did we say we were talking about? We are going to talk about something that sort of came up in our last podcast. We are going to talk about asking for help and delegation oh, yes. in your nursing care. Because that it's, is. That's a big one. Oh, especially for new grads. You don't do it. Mm. and it's really hard to learn to do it and not feel guilty about it. But if you can learn at the beginning of your career, then you'll, that's a good, really good tool to have in your tool belt. Tool yeah. Belt. 
It's a hard one to teach, too, I will say. That's always something that is a struggle to figure out how to teach when I when I have receptor students. Um, that balance of like mm-hmm. you're here to learn how to do your own work and to manage your workload because everybody else on the floor has a workload too. But you are in a team environment for a reason. You can't do this all on your own. There are going to be times that you have to ask for help. And teaching that balance, you know, a lot of students are often on the side of never asking for help. But there's, yeah. you know, occasionally there's people who are all too excited to ask for help and, you know, not learn how to manage their own workload. Yeah. And that can be tricky to manage too what i what i find always funny about when i'm trying to teach my students delegation and asking for help is okay so they're i'm working with this preceptor student Mm -hmm. they have the team Mm -hmm. i'm just hanging out at the desk for the most part Mm -hmm. maybe helping my colleagues out blah blah blah, or doing paperwork or something but usually just sitting at the desk and i always tell them your job is to ask me for help or Mm -hmm. maybe the other student i think that those are the two appropriate people you don't go and ask another like another rn on the floor for help they're already busy Mm -hmm. i'm sitting here ask me for help but i literally i'll turn my head for two seconds and have a conversation with somebody and my students asking another nurse for help i'm like i was right there Oh, and I had didn't and, want and to interrupt I, you. And I have this rule. <laughs> yeah. You ask me for help, but big scary Dave, I guess nobody wants to ask me for help. <laughs> or they won't ask the other students. I'm like, the other student is there to learn as well, to delegate and to take things on extra. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the job. That's why you guys should be delegating and asking each other for help. Mm-hmm. And they do. But I always think it's funny that they won't ask the one person that's sitting there that is like being paid to sit there to help them. They won't ask me for help. Hmm. But maybe that says more me being scary than anything else maybe (laughs) (laughs) just got to put a smile on your face at work more often Dave Mm -hmm. so uh what do we mean when we say delegation by the way because that's actually that's a term that actually carries legal weight okay if it carries legal weight give us the legal definition (laughs) okay well we'll just pull this okay here I'm gonna say I'm gonna say what what I I think delegation means yeah and then we'll go, and then you can tell me the actual legal term. Mm-hmm. So delegating is when you are unable to perform a task for yourself, either for timing-wise or whatever reason. Whatever reason is happening that you can't perform a certain task, you delegate that task. You ask for help from another colleague of yours to mm-hmm. go and do that task. Mm-hmm. This is, I'm just, I was looking up a couple of them. This is what the CNO like the college from Ontario sure. defines it as it says delegation is a process by which a healthcare professional who has legal authority to perform a controlled act transfers that authority to an unauthorized person. That sounds like that sounds like that's weird. Yeah. So that's you weird. can ask like a porter to do something that's not in their scope. I feel like no. I, I feel like that's not no. Like I would never ask a non nurse to do a nursing duty. No. I would just ask another colleague to take over a job for me if I was unable to do it for whatever reason. Yeah. Hmm. I think it's you have to perform it to someone who's maybe like not authorized, meaning like it's not their patient. They're not the yeah, primary nurse, but they're be... still they, they're still competent. Yeah, to... it's still in their scope to do that job. Exactly. I think that's more of what it comes down to is that you are passing off a task that is maybe it, it's within your workload and your assigned patient load yeah. um, to somebody else who doesn't have that patient load but is still competent to perform that task yeah like they're not the primary care nurse but mm-hmm. they're still going to be doing something with your patient mm-hmm. yeah so let's talk about <laughs> trying to teach appropriate 
delegation. What is and what isn't appropriate to delegate? So don't go on break and ask for them to do 10 things <laughs> that can all wait while you go on break. Yeah. <laughs> that's, or, that's my biggest thing. Yeah. Or my my other thing, I think, is if you have multiple tasks that have to happen at the same time. That have like, to. They're that not, have to. They're like, not many, but sometimes it is. Sometimes you have someone... <clears throat> in a day maybe at the same time someone's ringing from the bathroom somebody else is getting picked up by a porter and needs help getting to a stretcher and somebody else you've got a infusion running on and you have to go check vitals on at a certain time and yeah. it all happens at once that's actually not entirely uncommon no and because so, you can only control really one of those things yeah the portering and the bathroom thing you have no control over yeah and but you need to be there when i'm talking to students about how to manage a situation like that i always say you choose the task first and foremost, whatever is going to be like is going to be the most clinically significant task or the outcome of which might have the most clinical significance. Mm -hmm. You as the primary nurse need to be there for that. Yeah. So, um, and you know, and if that, if all things are equal on that respect, if none of these are like super clinically important mm -hmm. circumstances, then you delegate the easiest task to somebody else, and you yeah. do the hardest part of your own yeah. workload. You, you don't, you don't delegate the poop explosion <laughs> to somebody else. You delegate the go push a pain med for this one yeah. patient, yeah. and I will deal with the poop explosion. Or you know, if you have someone who's running a high, like a, a they're getting a blood transfusion or something. Well, if their vital signs are off, mm -hmm. clinically. Clinically, that's quite significant and you're going to need to manage that. Yeah. So you should do that and ask a coworker to help someone up to a stretcher. That sort yeah. of mentality. I mean, and sometimes the, that's poop, what the, I sometimes the poop explosion is the least clinically important choice. Yeah. And so you do need to ask somebody to take care of that. I'm so sorry. Right? <laughs> I will get you back, you, but you please. Buy them a coffee or something. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Give them their especially, own. you know, there, I mean, there are floors that have carries. And right now, thankfully, on our floor, we have a carry because of the pandemic and hallway beds and stuff. But, um, you know, typically we're an RN only floor. And so even those personal care um, jobs, yeah. duties, yep. um, would be an RN responsibility. Mm -hmm. And you would, you would try to, you, you don't want to delegate the thing that's time intensive or just a job that everybody hates when there's no need for you not to do it. Yeah. But if you're dealing with a pre-code and mm -hmm. there's a poop explosion... Somebody else has to go deal with the poop of clothes and show you can do with the pre-code yeah. on your patient. Yeah. But for all our non-medical people, by pre-code, we mean like a, a code. We usually mean cardiorespiratory failure. So somebody's heart stopped, somebody stopped breathing. A pre-code is when people are essentially very rapidly physically declining. And we're trying to manage that to prevent that cardiorespiratory mm -hmm. failure. So, Which on oncology does happen quite often. It does. I, you know, I think we work very, very hard not to have codes on our floor. They do occur, yeah. but it does mean, you know, we end up with a lot of emergent situations where it's very hands-on and very intensive as you're trying to help somebody re-stabilize. Well, to toot oncology's horn a little bit, like I've had <laughs> ICU doctors who have told staff members to not complain about oncology calling them mm -hmm. for help. Mm-hmm. Because by the time oncology involves ICU, they've done over and beyond what almost any other unit in the hospital will have done. Because we're, we're, our, our patients are sick. Yeah. And we've gone through codes enough times that we know how to do a lot of things that 
prevent code. And how to recognize things early. And that is a skill. And mm-hmm. that's that's both like uh, textbook knowledge as well as intuition that comes from that constant experience of this person doesn't look quite right. Yeah. What should we be checking? What yeah. should we be looking for? What are things that we could start doing to intervene early? My friend, the emerging nurse, would always say, put in IV access early. <laughs> Always. 18 gauge. Oh, 18 gauge. <laughs> 18 right. gauge. 18 gauge. Get extra IV access oh, right man. away. We should have called ourselves the 18 gauge podcast for the amount of times we're talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so getting back I, to I, delegation I, I, I and wanna, asking for help. I just want to say real quick oh, though. Yep. Well, I'm tooting oncology's horn. I'm not belittling any other unit. I'm just passing along what an ICU doctor has told us is that, you know, when our patients come to them, they know that they're actually extremely sick and have been for a long time and they've been managed well on the floor. So if they're needing to come to ICU, they need to come to ICU, mm-hmm. um, which is ne- not necessarily the case from other floors from what I've been told. Mm, well, all right. It just, we pull the trigger a lot later. Yeah. Is all. Okay. Well, that aside, getting back to. Sorry, I don't want, I just don't want to offend anybody. No, that's fair. That's every, fair. Every, all, every unit We're not knocking anybody. Parameter. Yeah. Yeah. We love you all. We do. Especially the nursing nuns. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you keep bringing it back to that? Like, you're giving me this like little half wink every time you do it too. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. You're in black and white today. I am, maybe I'm, I am in maybe, black and white. I didn't think a, about that. Maybe I'm having a thing right now. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> it's a good thing we're not filming this. Let's move along. Let's talk about the importance of asking for help because... This is also a hard one, I think, not just for new grads and students and stuff, but for nurses in general, mm. a lot of nurses. It's it's difficult just because, you know, we want to do stuff ourselves. We want to be responsible. We don't want to, like, offload stuff on people unnecessarily. And we want to prove that we're competent professionals. Yeah. Yep. And that doesn't really, I feel like that doesn't really change over the course of No, of I've, a been, I've been doing this for 15 years and I still... Even when my team's going sideways, I still hesitate to ask for help. Yeah, because you want to be competent. You want to show that you can handle it, right? Yeah, and I and the thing is, is for the most part, I can handle it. Mm-hmm. But do I need to burn myself out handling it when other people are just like hanging out or yeah. can lend a hand and not put their team at risk and whatnot? Yeah, and I think. Um, I think it is really important to grasp, especially early in your career, that healthcare is a team approach. There mm-hmm. are very, it's very rare in healthcare that you are truly on your own doing your own thing. You're almost always existing in some sort of team environment, which means you've got to learn to work together, which means learning to help out, but mm-hmm. also learning to ask for help. Yeah. And this is something I think, uh, especially in emergencies is like is a hard one to get through mm-hmm. um, in the first few years of someone's career because if you haven't seen something before yep. um, a lot of times you just like you totally get caught up in that moment of oh my goodness this like something bad is going down in front of me and it's you know you kick into fight or flight that adrenaline hits and you just start doing and whatever and stuff yeah. in front of you um, rather than like hitting the call bell or even just ducking your head out into the hallway and just saying very out loud I need some help down here. Yeah. Um, and I think it's always important to involve your team in what mm-hmm. you're doing. It, you know, even if it's, it, if it's asking for hands-on help, great. But I think it's also appropriate to ask for help in terms of your thinking mm-hmm. um, and verifying that you're like, hey, I'm noticing this going on. 
this is what I'm thinking is happening with my patient. Yeah. But it seems important. I'm going to talk to other people about this. You, and you, sorry. I was going to say, and that, that way, number one, you get other people's experiences and perspectives on things. Also, then the rest of your team knows what's going on on the floor. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing mm-hmm. worse than like, I feel as another nurse on a team, somebody goes on break and you walk in and their patient's in a really bad state and you have to call someone back from break thinking that this is a new emergent situation. They're like, oh no, they've kind of been doing this all day and you didn't have that heads up. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, and now suddenly everything's in a scramble because we're all trying to figure out what's going on with yep. this patient rather than knowing, hey, I'm worried about this patient. They don't look good. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's fine right now, but they don't look good. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I sorry. forgot what I was going to say when um, I was not actively sorry. listening. I apologize. I keep thinking of um, that. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's a cliche sort of dumbing down of a proverb, but that line that people say that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Yeah. And I think if you want to like power through and prove that you're a rock star and, and whatever, like sure, try and do it all on your own but if you really want to provide really well-rounded patient care as well as be a good teammate and have a sustainable career you need to learn how to ask for help yeah i think like uh, you you know you're with a really good um team of nurses when you see them talking to each other all the time and be mm-hmm. like because there's so much information that nurses have to retain like mm-hmm. i'm i tell everybody i there's no way that I retain the information that Julia retains <laughs> and I don't care to, but I do know where to look for information or when to ask help for information. I'll just have a brain fart about something at work. And a lot of nurses will be like, is this what this is like, is this what we're supposed to be doing for this? How do we do this procedure again? Um, you, you'll see the real, you'll see the good experienced nurses talking to each other just mm-hmm. to kind of like touch base and remind, like remind each other how we do things or, like, I don't quite remember the steps. Can you just, like, walk it through with me real quick so I mm-hmm. can go and do this mm-hmm. properly and stuff? Uh, I think that's the sign of a really good experienced nurse where they recognize there's too much to remember. And they're always just checking in with their team. That lets their team kind of know what is going on with their patient, the other patients. And you're just always touching base and not just trying to wing it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Um I think something you taught me very early on is that there's a lot of power in being able to say, I don't know. Oh yeah. And, and not like just willy nilly being like, I don't know. I don't know. Like thoughtlessly yeah, saying, I don't be know. Just your first response there. No. But if you genuinely don't know to admit that you don't know mm-hmm. and the power in that is following it up with not just, I don't know, but yeah. I will find out. Yeah. It creates a teaching moment or a learning moment, a learning moment. Yeah. yeah for yourself. And maybe a team member can step in and fill that gap for you, or maybe you need to go and find that information for yourself. But yeah. the I don't know is an opportunity to ask for help as well. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing that I see a lot of new nurses struggling with. I don't know if this suddenly became like a rather new nurse focused well, podcast. It, it's because new nurses tend to struggle with this mode, the yeah. idea of asking for help most. Mm-hmm. If you're an experienced nurse, you not asking for help. that's kind of a different that's more of a personality thing Mm -hmm. than an inexperienced thing yeah yeah okay fair enough and i don't and i don't know if you would ever get an like a nurse who's been on the floor for 20 years who is just like i just do my thing Mm -hmm. i don't know if you would ever get them to change and ask for help change and ask for help but but they also have the experience to back that up yeah right so Mm -hmm. i i see this a lot with you know nurses who are in their first year or two of their career 
they've gotten, you know, like their day has maybe got a little bit away on them Mm -hmm. or there's just been a lot going on or something has just occupied a lot of their time. A patient has been less well than they thought. They have a particularly heavy team, even though we try and balance out team assignments. Maybe just one team happened to be heavier than another. What are you looking for? Nothing. Go ahead. Okay. and, and, you know, they're like sitting at a desk trying to catch up with charting or they're running around with their head cut off, essentially. And there may be one or two other nurses around who happen to have, you know, just by sheer experience and just being more, yeah, being more experienced nurses, being better at their jobs in just in the sense of organization and, and the managing the flow of their day happen to be like sitting at the desk. They offer to help. Yeah. It's okay to say yes. Yeah, yeah. And I think this comes down to the same sort of thing with delegation. Don't don't give people like <laughs> the least desirable task on your list, if you will. Yeah. But it's okay to say, yeah, I could do all of this on mm-hmm. my own, mm-hmm. but I haven't taken a break or I want to go home at time or it's really important that I catch up with my charting and no one else can do that for me. Can you go check vital signs for or this heck, patient? Even all of those things are, are fine and you're doing okay. You just yeah. have like three people to give meds to say at two o'clock yeah. and your colleague has no meds at two o'clock or yeah. everybody's off the floor and they're saying, Hey, do you need any help? There's nothing wrong with being like, yeah, do you mind doing this for me? Absolutely. You could do it by yourself in five minutes and have it all done. The other person is just sitting there saying, do you need help? There's nothing wrong with saying yes. There's also nothing wrong with being like, no, I just want to stay busy because I'm going to get bored. Yeah. And a lot of times that's why nurses won't ask for help, you know, in the slower times and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just, they like, there's nurses who like to stay just constantly moving. And then there's nurses who like to kind of come and go. Yep. It's each your own, but there's nothing wrong with accepting help when it's offered. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially if people are willingly offering it. Mm-hmm. It's going to come back around. Fear not. Other people are going to have busy days where you're going to need to step in and help out. It will balance out in the wrong run. It's okay to accept help Mm -hmm. when offered as well, not just asking for help. So, but I think um, I want to circle back to that idea of like an emergent, urgent something sort of situation. Mm -hmm. I think especially as newer nurses, you just get really wrapped up in the moment. Yeah. You need to like... You need to call out for help. (laughs) If something's going down, you think your patient might be crashing. If they've stopped breathing, if they have fallen, all of the above, just call for help and use use your voice. Just project. It's okay to yell for help if you really need help. Yeah. So I want to kind of build on that, though, and and say that's that's with a little tiny bit of a caveat that I I try to teach my students. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, if you're just if you're in a room and just you know, your patient goes sideways and you don't know what to do. Uh, the worst thing you can do is freeze. Yep. Um, so just yell out for help and get anybody in the room to help you sort out things. But if you can, I try to tell my students, like before you ask for help, you need to take a second and just take a, take a quick breath and think clinically about your patient. A lot of times, especially new grads, when something starts going sideways, they kind of like their brain kind of like shuts off. And they can't yeah. clinically think about your patient. That adrenaline is this kicks actually in. an expected reaction or outcome of your patient? Is this is this something that's happened before? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Do their core morbidity say that this was an expected thing to happen? Like they're having a cardiac event, or all of a sudden they're having shortness of breath because I don't know they have um, pleural effusions, and we know they're waiting for a chest tube, mm-hmm. right? So. <clears throat> I always try to say, like, you have to take a second and clinically try to, 
I always try to have the clinical picture of my patients in my head yep. when I'm seeing them. So when something out of the norm happens, I can judge it against their clinical picture. What's okay. their diagnosis? What they're there for? What their comorbidities? How have they been in the past? Mm-hmm. And kind of have that mental picture of them always sitting in my mind. So when I'm in the room and something happens, instead of immediately calling for help and have everybody coming in, because when they come in, the p- people come in to help you, you need to be able to tell them what's going on and what their clinical picture is. You need to have that. That's what happens in a code. You call a code, the code team comes down. The first thing they do is pull you aside as a primary nurse and say, tell me about this patient. Yeah, because nobody and, else knows anything about And you about have them. to have that picture kind of always there. So I'm saying mm-hmm. when you call for help, Try to have taken a second and just think think about the clinical picture too. You can know what kind of help you're asking for. It'll get you the proper help a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Also, instead of necessarily being like nobody knows what's going on, there's this abnormal thing that's happening. Say somebody's BP is suddenly through the roof. <clears throat> you call for help. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of people just running around and you're like, oh, this person's through the roof. I'm going to call the doctor and we'll get some stuff. Yeah. If you're clinically know that this person has a cardiac issue, they've always had one, mm-hmm. maybe check their PRNs and see if they have things for high blood pressure first, mm-hmm. right? Doc, if the person has a comorbidity that's a known issue, they probably have some sort of meds to help when that rears its head. Mm-hmm. So the better way to ask for help is be like, hey, this person's this. Can you see their mark if they have, say, in a, high, in a case of a high blood pressure? Do they have a Captopril or an Ativan or something that I can do to help bring down the pressure while the we call the doctor yeah. mm-hmm. to then get more help? Mm-hmm. Right. So then you're actually you're actually helping the patient quicker mm-hmm. as opposed to waiting for the doctor to pick up the call and maybe writing a double order and then realizing they have the med and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I'm saying when you ask for help, always try to have a clinical picture in your head of your patient so you know better you know the better questions to ask when you're asking for help Mm -hmm. which is really hard as a new grad Mm -hmm. especially in the moment if you get overwhelmed by again that fight or flight response kicks in especially if it's something new that you haven't seen because experience will really help you mitigate that fight or flight response and make sure it's appropriate to the situation. But if this is all new to you, that kicks in a lot stronger. That Mm -hmm. Essentially, it floods your brain and shuts off the left side of your brain and the ability to rationalize. That's another reason to just stop, take a nice deep breath, Mm -hmm. try and get some of that fight or flight response to die down for a hot second so that you can actually think clearly. That's kind of like what you were saying, like go slower to act faster. Whatever you were just saying. Oh no, that was about going together to go further. <laughs> yeah, but that's but it's kind of the same idea. Is like you, if you go slower, you take a second to actually breathe, and and let your brain not be flooded, mm-hmm. so you can do a better job. Then when you ask for help, you can get more people involved the proper way, mm-hmm. <clears throat> as opposed to everybody running around not quite knowing what's going on and defaulting to calling the doctor instead of getting the meds that the doctor's already ordered and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Okay. This part will be cut out because it's just weird awkwardness. <laughs> I'm not I'm sure not what quite, to say I'm, next. I'm, I'm, I'm I thought quite. we were talking about asking for help and now we're talking about, you know, I, but it, rationalizing but your clinical judgments. No, no, but, so. it's, 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 but it's a very important part of asking for help. Mm. Why are you asking for help? Okay. Right? Don't just ask for help to, for the pure sake of asking for help. You need to know as a primary nurse. Yeah. You need to know what help you're asking for. Yeah, that's the point. That's and the sometimes point. it's... My brain is fried. I don't know what to do. Somebody yeah. come and take over. That's literally the, the help you're asking for. Yeah. 
right? But you want to be able to ask for help um, in the most effective way possible. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, you have to know what you're asking for. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just asking for help doesn't do anything. That just has a lot of people running around trying to figure out what's going on. Well, you're the primary nurse. You should be telling them, I need this. Yep. Help wise. Yep. Right. So that's, that's kind of what I'm trying to say is as a nurse, when you ask for help, you want it to do, you want to ask for help in a very directed way Mm. and not just be like, brain's done. Somebody come in, take over. Yeah. You don't, you don't want to do that. Sometimes it has to, and that's the best case for you and your patient for everybody to stay safe. Yeah. When you are just so far beyond, especially as a new grad. When you're just out of your depth. There are going to be times that you are so far beyond your, your experience level Mm -hmm. that you probably shouldn't have had that patient in the first place. That does happen. We have a lot of new grads. You have a lot of turnover and stuff that's going to happen in your career where sometimes you have a patient that you shouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to be like, this is too far beyond. I don't even know what to do here. Yeah. And get somebody to come in and be like, you actually need to, and hopefully you do it before there's a problem. Yeah. But you actually need for help and be like, you need to take this patient from me Mm -hmm. because I am uncomfortable because I don't know what to do if something does go wrong. Ooh, that's a good point to make about asking for help as well. Sometimes asking for help means changing team assignments um, for, you know, for balancing out workload or, you know, your ability to provide appropriate care Mm -hmm. for a particular patient. Sometimes that's the type of help that you need to ask for. And that can be very hard as a new grad, you know, because you don't want to seem presumptuous or seem like you can't keep up with your workload. But if you have so many things going on on a team all at once and you know it's just going to overwhelm your ability and your experience level then that's a that's a type of help that you might need to ask for as well yeah you want to keep yourself and your patient as safe as possible and sometimes that means not being the primary nurse yeah and it is okay to ask for that yeah. you know i i would say especially if you've got like you've got an in charge or some someone in leadership making those decisions on your unit in terms of the patient assignments, you would hope that they are giving it careful, considered thought and they're doing their best to balance it out for everybody. So I would say you don't want to be in the habit of always asking to change your team. But if you are in a moment and you're like, this is just beyond me, that's, it's okay to ask for that type of help. I think as a professional, you have a responsibility to know what you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. And when you're being asked to do something beyond your experience level, you need to speak up. Yeah. And sometimes it just might be like, hey, for this part of my day, I don't know what to do. Can you help me with it? Yeah. Right. And I can manage the rest. Mm-hmm. Or this patient is just way too complicated for me. Well, having six people. Yeah. I can't manage this heavy person and everything else going on. Yeah. Right. Because that's just kind of the state we're in these days. Mm -hmm. Everybody's, you know, overworked with extra patients and stuff. And sometimes that patient load is too complex for you. Yep. Yeah. That's okay to ask for that form of help. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Be gracious about it, but ask for help. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, And just know that like, when you're asking for help, ultimately what you are doing is you're putting your patient care first. Yeah. You know, ask for help because you want your patients to get the best possible care. Then nobody's ego is involved in it. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't need to be a pride thing or something you need to be ashamed about. You need to be honest with yourself and what your capabilities are and what your limits are mm-hmm. for the sake of your patients. And when you're asking for help, you're not just doing it because you're an incompetent person. You're doing it because you care about your patients and them getting the care that they need. 
Well, there's kind of a, a, a thing that like experienced nurses talk about when they get new grads on the floor, right? Like right away, you can tell if that new grad is going to be a good nurse or a nurse that's going to struggle. Yeah. And the nurse that asks questions when they're new, asks questions, asks for help, is always talking, mm-hmm. is going to be the nurse that more experienced nurses are comfortable being around because they know that they don't have to worry about them because if something comes up, they know that they're going to come and talk to a more experienced nurse about it. Yeah. It's the new grad that doesn't talk. The new grad that mm-hmm. doesn't ask for help. The new grad does, doesn't ask questions. Yeah. Is a bit of, they might be just superstars and be all good. And, you know, they might have other life experiences that, you know, help them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, like say you transition from an LPN to an RN or something like that. Yeah. Um, so there's always the exception to the rule, but the new grad that doesn't ask questions and doesn't um, ask for help. Yeah. Is the one that, more experienced nurses are actually weary about working with because then they're kind of always in their back of their mind thinking about this other team and is this other team doing okay or not? Are they okay? Are we going to be surprised by someone tanking? Yeah, and it's making them expend mental energy on other things that aren't their own team. And it it makes your day harder. Yeah. I, I... Whenever I get, you know, if I'm orientating a new grad or something like that, someone who always apologizes about asking a lot of questions, I pretty much will always say, I'm like, you know what? Nurses are, it is less of of an annoyance to nurses to have a new grad who asks a lot of questions Mm -hmm. than it is a red flag to have a new grad who doesn't ask questions. But in their head, it's the opposite. Yeah, exactly. When you're a new grad, you think if I'm asking a lot of questions, people are going to assume that I'm not competent, that I don't know how to do my job, that I don't belong here. It's all that imposter syndrome, Mm -hmm. syndrome stuff, et cetera, et cetera. You're trying so hard to prove yourself and you feel like, it's going to be a red flag if you're asking questions. People are going to think you don't belong here and you're not mm. good enough. But from a more experienced, from the more experienced side of that equation now, I definitely will say I much would rather work with someone who asks a lot of questions yeah. and you know makes their own decisions, but is willing to check in with other people to make sure that they're on course. Yeah. Than someone who doesn't ask questions at all. That is that's scary, actually. (laughs) When 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 I'm when I'm talking to a student of mine about that, about asking questions and stuff, I'll point out, be like, look at look at these other nurses that we're working with, these other experienced nurses. See how they're talking to each other. They're asking questions all day long Mm -hmm. about little minute details that we just we just don't quite remember, or that you know that you know is. Right now, I'm having a brain fart. So, whatever word I'm trying to think of, but like <laughs> but you're having a brain fart, day. yeah. And you're just asking for help to be like, can you just clue me into this again? Because mm-hmm. I can't quite remember it, and, it, and then I can go on and do my job. And I try to point that out. Be like, you, if you look at your experiences, nurses, they are talking to each other all day long about the floor, about the job. Yeah. Um, and that's how it should be. Yeah, and I also. Um, I also want to say, like, there's that phrase we throw around about no such thing as a stupid question. Because um, I really I really do believe that that's true. There's no such thing as a stupid question. There are such things as lazy or thoughtless questions. Yeah. So when I'm working with someone, if they're ever apologizing for asking a lot of questions, that's usually my comment for that, too. I'm like, well, if you need help figuring this out, that's not, that's not bad. If you don't know something at this mm-hmm. point... That's not a problem. If you haven't even bothered to think about it at all or tried to problem solve, you know, like try and come up with an answer and ask if your answer is, you know, 
appropriate for the situation rather than just sitting there and being like, I haven't even thought about this yet. I want someone to spoon feed it to me. So I think, yeah, there's no such thing as a stupid question, but there is such thing as a lazy question or or a thoughtless question. You know, don't ask those ones. (laughs) That's actually like one of the main things I try to do with my students during their preceptorship other than take your breaks. Yeah. (laughs) Get up to the full team Mm -hmm. is... When you're at, when you come to me and ask for a question, did you do your due diligence first? Yep. It's if you're running around and you just really need help with like help answering this one little thing, and I can see that you're busy, and me giving you the answer for this one thing will just help everything flow. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But when things aren't crazy, and you're asking for help, did you go and look at the learning or at the um, the clinical skills uh, resources that we have? Uh, did you do your due diligence to try to find an answer mm-hmm. before asking a question? Yeah. Because um, the, the, our employer gives us a lot of different resources, resources. to answer yeah. questions. And like I'm just sitting there. So with my students, it's, it's easy to just come to me because I'm just there. But when all your other, if you're, when you're on the floor working as a nurse and all your other nurses are also busy. Yeah. No one's sitting at the desk. Nobody's sitting at the desk. They're all doing their job. You don't necessarily want to interrupt them first come, first serve. You need to go on the computer. You need to grab a textbook from the back. You need to look something up for yourself first. Mm -hmm. And only once you've done your due diligence and you still can't quite find the answer, then ask for help. Yeah. Being in an emergency situation is different, of course. Yes. Or if the nurse is just sitting there hey, and be like, hey, looks like you're struggling. What do you need help with? That's different too. Ask for help. <laughs> but you should be doing your own due diligence because nurses are always learning. Our procedures are always changing. Our policies are always changing. Yeah. It's your job to be on the ball with those. Mm-hmm. And that means looking at your emails to see if we get a policy change or something or lo- knowing how to use the skills resource be like i haven't done a pick change in a year i can't quite remember the steps let me look it up real quick and then go and do your job yep yeah yeah no such thing as a stupid question but now, think about it first <laughs> i am gonna say this yep and it's this is i've only i've only come across this once in my career and if you're listening i love you i understand <laughs> why it happened <laughs> but when you ask other nurses for help and you ask them for answers and questions and you and then you ignore their answer and then you ask three other nurses for the answer then you ignore them and you call the doctor and you ignore them and then spend an hour looking things up online don't be asking for help in those situations if you're not going to listen to the answers that you're given and trust them then don't be asking them mm-hmm. right because then then that becomes a a, a problem mm-hmm. right and i get it like in stress and anxiety play a huge part especially during the pandemic, we're all burnt out, personality-wise, et cetera. So like I said, it doesn't happen all the time, but it has happened. That can get really frustrating for your team members. It's not that you didn't need the help. It's that you trusted nobody when they gave you the answer that mm-hmm. you were looking for. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Trust that you're surrounded by competent individuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because eventually, everybody's just going to stop wanting to answer you. Yeah. And, stop and, and it's kind of kind of like the, the boy who cried wolf at that point. Nobody's going to want to bother working with you. Because it's draining to be asked and then just ignore it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not going to respect my answer, why are you coming to me in the first place? Then maybe you didn't need my help at all. Right? Yeah. And I, and I get why in this particular instance it's happened. And like I said, it's no. there's just certain things about, you know, when you're stressed and 
and anxiety that you can't control and stuff, but it is something that you want to be cognizant about is mm-hmm. not asking for questions and then ignoring the experience answers that you get. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. If you're stressed about something enough that you need to ask for help, <laughs> mm-hmm. trust that somebody else is really actually trying to help you. Yeah. Yeah. So with asking for help and delegating, cause mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit, maybe of, delegating is the more formal, I think it's the more formal. formalized way of help yeah. of asking for help. Right. Yeah. Uh, like it's like the codified, college version of asking for help yeah position um, papers on it etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> um it it is a fine balance mm-hmm. you want to show that you're competent and you can do your job because that is your job it, it is, is your, your job. job to manage your <clears throat> workload to take care of your patients but you don't need to burn yourself out and put your patients at risk to show that you're competent asking for help actually shows that you're competent yeah delegating Shows that you're, if you can, if you learn to delegate your work appropriately, mm-hmm. it shows so much of who you are as a professional. It shows that you know how to keep things organized. It knows how it shows that you can keep a complex series of events um, properly prioritized in your brain mm-hmm. and get the help that you need to keep those things flowing. Yeah. It actually shows so much of who you are as a an experienced nurse a lot of to competence. properly delegate, yeah. properly ask for help. Yep. Um, it's when you don't that, okay, you can get through your day and do it all. But if you're missing breaks to do it, if you're charting on your breaks, if you're staying late, mm-hmm. are you actually acting as the most responsible professional you can be? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. I would argue you're not. You're mm-hmm. putting your patients at risk because now you've worked a 12 hour shift. You didn't give your brain time to, to reset. refresh. Yeah. You're staying late to finish charting and stuff. You're charting from things from 12 hours ago, which is not best practice because you're not going to remember it all. Mm-hmm. And then you're going home late. And then you, so your home life is going to be affected. If you're coming back on shift, you're not getting the rest that you need at home. Mm-hmm. So I would argue that trying to be the one that never asked for help and whatnot, that's actually more detrimental to your, uh, your floor and your patients. Yeah. You know, even even if you are managing it, you're not actually managing it because you're sacrificing a lot of your own well-being mm-hmm. to do it. And that is... And that's going to cause a problem. That is going to... The body keeps score and that is going to add up over time. You, you, will make a, you will make an error at some point when you get to that point. Yeah. Or you'll just... You will suffer in your overall well-being and your enjoyment of life, period. Yeah. Yeah. Un- unless you're a little Energizer Bunny... <laughs> we've like worked some, with one like or two of those some people who <laughs> literally that's just they're always at that level and they're always charged and ready to go and that's just how they operate so like i said it's it's most a fine, of us are not those astounding people yeah, <laughs> but we see them and we think that's how we should be acting yeah especially as new guys so uh, that's what i'm saying like it's a it's, it is a hard one to teach it's a hard one to learn yeah there is that balance and nobody can really teach you for yourself Mm-hmm. what that balance is it's different for everybody and um, it's different every day <clears throat> and, i think and it's different every day because yeah. our you know working in acute care it changes minute by minute sometimes yeah um so we're trying to take a very complex idea and distill it down to you need to be as a as a good nurse you need to ask for help you need to delegate mm-hmm but as a good nurse, it's up to you to find that right balance for you and your practice. Yep. Every nurse's practice is different. Mm-hmm. That's what I always tell my students when they're in their preceptorship. I'm like, this is the four months that you have now to take all the learning that you've done in the last three and a half years. Mm-hmm. 
and learn how to consolidate that to make your practice your own. The way that each and every single nurse does their job is different. Mm -hmm. There's no, we're all taught the exact same, Mm -hmm. but there's no nurse that works the exact same as anybody, as any other nurse. Your personality plays into, there's so many different factors. And so learning to ask for help, learning to delegate is a, is, is a, portion of your practice and you need to learn how to do that that is best for you yeah i like that i think maybe that's a good point to wrap up on sure yeah any other last takeaway thoughts for the week i feel like that was just my last that's your last takeaway thought um okay what's my takeaway thought yeah i like what you said about knowing how to ask for help and delegate appropriately shows your competency. And I also want to say again, you know, take your ego out of the equation. Mm. At the end of the day, this is all about your patient. You're showing up to be the best nurse that you can for someone who is there in a vulnerable position needing you. Mm -hmm. So take the ego out of the equation and do what's best for your patient and learn how to ask for help when you need it <laughs> and how to accept help when it's offered. So it kind of, this, it all, it kind of ties into last week's talk about forming habits, get into the habit of asking for help mm-hmm. and over time mold that into the way that works best for your practice. Yeah. Yep. There I think that's go. good. We didn't say this at any point during our podcast again, but we need to put it on the little button. We do a little button in the middle. We have a little interlude, but we'd love it if you'd like, subscribe, leave us stars, leave us reviews. That's so wonderful. And reach out to us on socials. It really makes our day. (laughs) You can find us at www.the24gpodcast.com and at the24g podcast on most social things like Instagram and YouTube and stuff. Mm hmm. And hopefully we'll bring you a video podcast starting up in the next couple of weeks. In the next couple of weeks. Happy 2023, everyone. I hope it's going to be a wonderful year. (sighs) And even if it's not, we're still going to be here with you through it all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, See you later. Bye.